right, well, you can see from your handout, we're going to be talking about family structure this evening, relationships within the home and the priority of those relationships. Let me begin with prayer, and then I would love to hear from you guys how the Lord's been working in your hearts this week and things that you've talked about together and prayed about together. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your kind grace in our lives. Thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather together as the church this evening, midweek, that we might uh, care for one another, that we might be encouraged in our faith, that we might be motivated to live lives here for your glory. We know that we need your help with that. We're thankful for the Spirit who enables us, who helps us understand your truth and enables us to then live according to it. We know that that's your grace in our lives, and we're thankful. So we pray that even tonight, as we specifically talk about parenting and relationships within the family, that you would give us a wisdom that we need, that you would help us to see how you have structured the family and the relationships in it, that you might receive the glory that you're worthy of, and how we can best Um, use those relationships to point others to Christ and to serve one another. So we ask your blessing upon our time, and uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so after last week, what do you guys think? Any questions you have? Any thoughts, comments, things you've been talking about together, praying through together? Who's going to be brave and start? Are we sharing our takeaways by who's talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from last week, whether it's our takeaways? Yeah, okay. things from the homework that you worked through or things that you were just talking about together this week, struggles you have in your family. right perspective. Dana's the only one being convicted by the Spirit and walking in obedience.
Yeah, you get to sit in the front. Sure. <laughs> With the baby. <laughs> Anyone else? I think kind of building on that, something I was convicted about was just, you know, sometimes I can think of and see God's blessing of a day or like, you know, the beautiful sunset or something like that, but I don't vocalize it yeah. to my kids, and I think that's something that I need to work on more is making sure that I take the time discipline, take the time and these things to really point to them why and, and point to them who God is and, and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, I get lazy at that. Yeah. I can say that. It's easy to do. Moses says, talk about them, right? It's one thing to know it, but we're supposed to talk about it as well. Anybody set goals for your family over the course of the next several weeks? Some changes that you'd like to see that you've implemented? All right. Well, thanks for sharing, guys. Appreciate it. Hope that the time together and realizing that we're not alone in the struggle is helpful. You know, to hear other people vocalize that is helpful for our own hearts, but also to have accountability and encouragement from one another is, is beneficial from our time together. All right, so this week we're going to spend some time looking at how God has designed and structured the family and the priority of the relationships within the home. There is a priority in the relationships within the family structure in the home. And I think sometimes, maybe even more often than not, if we aren't careful, the relationships within the home can be put in the wrong order and our home becomes child-centered instead of Christ-centered. And over time, this is harmful to our family. And more importantly, christ isn't then receiving the glory that he is deserving of within our family relationships. I think this is something that Julie and I learned early on, which I'm thankful for, as we had opportunities to sit under um, others teaching parenting classes here at Grace when we started coming. Uh, I'm thankful for God's kindness in putting people in our lives to teach us this important truth. 
I believe that if you follow this relationship structure, prioritizing the right relationships in the right order, it will aid you in being faithful in your role as a parent in the home. You will be teaching your children and modeling for them how God has set up the family and what he expects of you as his child and as the authority figures in your home. So the first relationship that you have to see as the most important relationship is your relationship with your Heavenly Father. This one has to have first priority in your life, the child of God and the Heavenly Father relationship. If this isn't the most important relationship to you, you will not be and you cannot be faithful as a parent. If this relationship is the first one to be neglected, if God only gets the leftover time that you have once a week, once a month, maybe even never, you absolutely cannot be faithful to God's call to you as a mom or a dad. If this relationship is neglected, you may be able to kind of maintain and function for a while, uh, but at some point you will have nothing left to give. If you aren't receiving from Christ what only He can give you, going to Him to satisfy you and fill you, then you will be expecting to receive from others what they aren't able to give you, what only Christ can. I think even what we looked at last week in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is helpful for this, really highlights and emphasizes the importance of the relationship you have personally with God. You remember Moses told the people of Israel in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 6, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And Jesus then reiterates this when he asks, when he's asked by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? We see that in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Mark 12, 30, and in Luke 10, 27. His response to them was this command from Moses in Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Why is this so important that even Jesus would say, it's the greatest commandment in all of Scripture. If we don't make our relationship with our Father in Heaven the most important relationship in this life, we cannot interact in our other earthly relationships the way that God commands us to. We can say that you need to love God with all your heart, soul, and might, but what does that look like in your life? How, how do you know if you are loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? Just a reminder, we can't do this perfectly, right? That's the bad news. We're sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're going to fail. But the good news is that God knows that we're sinners, God knew that we would fail in this command to love him completely, perfectly. God knew we wouldn't live up to his standard of perfection and loving him in this way. So what did he do? He sent Christ to be what we can't be, right? He sent his son, Jesus, to live the life that you and I cannot live. 
Jesus loved his Father as a man on this earth in the most perfect way, loving him with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Jesus never failed at this once. And oftentimes, you and I fail to rejoice in the completeness of the gospel. By that I mean we emphasize his death and his resurrection. But what made that possible was that he first lived a perfect life, right? He was able to take our sin upon himself because he had lived in perfect obedience to his father. He had never sinned. He obeyed to the fullest and followed perfectly God's holy law. Everything that God demands from us, Jesus Christ was and he did. So that should really lift a heavy burden from our shoulders. That should relieve us of trying to measure up because we can't. But Jesus did for us. But this doesn't get us off the hook, right? Doesn't mean we don't try. I think of what the Apostle Paul says of himself in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul didn't view what he did in this life as meaningless. Paul said he did what he did with every intention of getting to the end of this life and God telling him, well done. It was his desire in this life to run the race well, to live as a disciplined and self-controlled life careful to follow the commands of God in humble obedience. So how do we balance these two tensions in the Christian life? How do we live as if Jesus has done everything necessary to live the life of perfect obedience, but also as, as if we must make every effort to obey his commands? I think we do just that. We make every effort. We work hard. We give everything that we have in us to obey. But then we rejoice that even in our failure, even when we stumble and fall, (laughs) or trip over chairs, hopefully they didn't fall off the balcony. Even when we fail, that Christ has done what we cannot do, and we leave it at his feet. We don't wallow in our failure and inability We rejoice in what He has done for us. Moms and dads, your relationship with your Heavenly Father as a child of God must be your priority relationship in this life and in your home. And when it is, then the rest of the relationships in your family and in your home, by God's grace, will be able to have their right place and will be able to function the way that they should. As I said last week, if you're not making time every day to personally worship Him, you must. This has to be a priority. You must spend time with your Savior every day. But not because you have to, but because you realize that the grace that God has extended to you through Jesus Christ, and you just can't help but spend time with Him, right? 
And you must work together with your spouse to make this happen. Hold each other accountable. I'd encourage you to do it at the time of day that you have the least amount of interruptions and you are clearest in mind. For some of you, for some of us, that's first thing in the morning before anybody else gets out of bed. Get up and spend time with the Lord so that that time is uninterrupted and it's the best time for you during the day. For some of you, it may be in the evening. Bless your heart. After everybody else has gone to bed and you're wide awake. That's not me. (laughs) But if it's you, do it then. If you've put the kids to bed and you're able then to have time with the Lord after they go to bed, do it then. Maybe for some of you, you're able to do it during the day. You're home during the day and it works for you to do it when the kids are at school and your husband or your wife is maybe at work. But work together to make this time available and then hold each other accountable to make sure that it happens. Not out of a sense of duty, not to check a box, but because you realize that the health of your soul depends upon it. Because you know that you can't be faithful as a parent, that God calls you to without his daily strength, his help, his comfort, and his grace. So that has to be the most important relationship that you see in your home. Second is the relationship of husband and wife. The relationship of the husband and the wife. Is this true in your home? Do you view your relationship together as husband and wife as the priority relationship within your home and your family? God does. And because of that, we should too. I think we see this from God's heart when he created the first man and woman. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. When God created the first human relationship on earth, what relationship did he create? That of husband and wife. This relationship is the one from which all other relationships in the family flow. This is the relationship from which God would spread his image throughout the earth. God formed the woman out of the man, giving man a helper and a wife that was suitable for him. And then he said, for this reason, a man would leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two would become one flesh. This is the husband and wife relationship according to Creator God. 
When God created, he created man and he created woman. He created husband and he created wife. And this was the first relationship within the family structure. It's the relationship that must receive priority within our homes. Paul in the New Testament emphasizes this husband-wife relationship and helps us to see what it should look like for us. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul here in these verses re-emphasizes what God has established as marriage in the original creation of man and woman in the garden. Unfortunately, the fall and sin's curse has affected this relationship in hard ways, right? Terrible ways at times. Now it's a struggle for the man and the woman to fulfill their role, their position within the marriage relationship and within the home. Sin has affected our hearts to the deepest part, and it's a daily battle to live out what we are commanded here in these verses. To the woman, Paul says, you are to submit to your husband. Not when you feel like it, not when it's easy, not when he's deserving of it. He says, as you would submit to the Lord, you are to submit to your own husband. And how are you to to submit to the Lord? In everything, right? So how are you to submit to your husband? In everything. I think we need to be sensitive to those of you wives here tonight who have unbelieving husbands. For you, the command is the same. You are to submit to your husband, but only so far as your submission is not causing you to disobey your heavenly father. I know that this is difficult at times for you, but God does provide the grace necessary for you as well. And what an opportunity you have to be a testimony to your unbelieving husband of God's grace through the gospel and how you submit to him, even though your expectations and priorities in marriage may be different than that of your unbelieving husband. Wives, you are called by God to submit to your husband as you would submit to the Lord in everything. You can't can't submit to a husband 
if you're not letting him lead. You as the wife must view your husband as God views your husband. He is the head of your marriage. He is the leader in your home. Let him lead. It's true. There will be times that as husbands, we will make decisions that will fail. And it will be a temptation for you to say, aha, if you would have just listened to me, this wouldn't have happened. But when we aren't leading you into sin, there will be those times that you as wives need to let us lead and fail. And then be there for us to encourage us. We're human, we're going to make mistakes. But as husbands, I can say it's a great blessing for us when our wives submit to our leadership, are patient with us, and then when we do make mistakes and our efforts fail, you are there for us to encourage us and to help us get back up and try again. So men, husbands, give your wife someone to follow. Someone who's deserving of her submission. Don't flaunt your headship over her. Don't abuse your authority. In a sense, don't expect her to submit to you no matter what, right? Be a servant leader to her. Lead her with grace and with humility. Lead her as Christ leads his church. And then watch and be thankful as she submits to you as she would submit to her Lord. Husbands, we see in Ephesians 5 that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And ultimately, he laid down his life for his bride. I think at times it's easier for us to say, yes, I would lay down my life for my wife if necessary, than to actually live that out practically in everyday life. So husbands, what are some ways that we can lay down our life for our wife every day, throughout the day? Practically. Thoughts? How do you lay down your life for your wife every day. I think taking care of some responsibilities, like with a newborn now, it's kind of obvious she's kind of attached. And so, you know, letting her have some time, maybe sacrificing something that I want to do so that she can have some time to either go with some friends or or have time to study or something like that. Yeah. Good. Helping her yeah yeah good other ways that you practically as a husband lay down your life for your wife every day I think some of it's relative to you have to know your wife yeah and so spending time to learn what your wife needs because each person's different so yeah might be sacrificing of getting up early to help do things around the house while she sleeps in a little bit, or it could be spending quality time, or it could be this, that, or the other, but knowing your wife well is, I think, the first part of being able to sacrifice for her. Yeah, good. I think something else, too, would be trying to help, kind of, keep saying, like, bearing each other's burdens, but doing it in a manner that she can feel like and rely on you. It's not a burden to do so. Yeah. You know Good. I mean? Yeah. To serve with joy, just kind of help out however you can be there, putting aside 
my own desire for that time. Yeah. Being open. Yeah, that's good. wrote down a few do the dishes after the meal sounds simple isn't it but oftentimes we're unwilling it's the wife's job she made the meal she can clean it up right vacuum the floors take out the trash fill up her car with fuel Lead your family in worship. Make the bed. I don't do that very often, but I try to every now and then just so I can write it down when I tell other people. (laughs) Fold the laundry. I can always tell when Julie wants help with the laundry because she dumps it on our bed. (laughs) And it's like, oh, she needs help. So I'll help with the laundry. No. But neither does she, so it's okay. <laughs> There's times I refold my shirts. <laughs> How about this one? Don't be preoccupied with video games. Is that serving your wife? Is that laying down your life? When she talks to you, give her your full attention. Even if you were busy doing something else or responding to a text, give her your full attention. Pray with her about the things that are burdening her heart. Hold the door open for her. Some of the other guys already said this. Be willing to give up time. You had planned to do something else for yourself to do something for her, to serve her. Like Kyle said, know what your wife likes to do and do it with her. I think it's good for our children to understand that our relationship as husband and wife is the most important relationship. They need to know that they are second place. I don't mean that in a bad way. We must love our children, and they need to know that we love them. They need to hear it. They need to see it. They need to feel it. But they must know that we are almost always going to choose our spouse over them. Here's just a few practices and habits that Julie and I have implemented and held to over the years to help our kids see that our relationship is the most important one in our home. This isn't exhaustive, just a few things that I had thought of that we we try to do. Number one, date one another. Dating isn't something you do before marriage and then it goes away when you get married or when you start having kids. You need to continue to prioritize intentional time alone together. You should be going out on a date, just the two of you, often. Often might look different for each of us, and that's okay. 
For some of us, this needs to be once a week. For some of us, it's okay that it's a couple times a month. Maybe for some, it's even okay if it's once a month. But whatever regular and often is for you, do it. Put it on the calendar. Plan it. Be consistent with it. Have a date night, and you know that that's your date night. Make it a priority. Sometimes date night will be getting out of town for several hours, maybe even overnight. Sometimes it's just hanging out in hutch, dinner, ice cream, maybe a movie. Sometimes it's casual conversation and laughter. Sometimes it needs to be more intentional and direct to talk about what you're struggling with in your own marriage or relationships with the kids. On a date, I'd encourage you strongly to not let your phone be a distraction. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your purse. Put it on silent mode. Leave it in the car. Give each other your full attention as undistracted as you can be. Prioritize the relationship with your spouse. Give them your full attention and be intentional with your time. Men, the temptation for us is to view a date night as something that our wife doesn't view as a date night. So ask your wife what a date night means to her and then make that night happen. Maybe for her, a date night is not having to find the sitter for the kids. So men, find the sitter for the kids. Show her that you love her. Make that night special for her. And don't make her find a sitter. You won't pick the one that she would pick. (laughs) But do it anyway. Maybe for her, going grocery shopping is not a date. So don't go grocery shopping on your date. My wife likes to clothes shop on dates because that's time that she can shop for clothes without kids hanging all over her and asking her for stuff and telling her they're ready to go home. So we go clothes shopping a lot on dates. And I love it because my wife loves it. That's a good thing, right? We should enjoy what they enjoy. And we should desire to make that time special for them. To the wife, I would say, help us out every now and then and pick the place that you want to go eat. (laughs) If your husband says he wants to take you where you want to go, then help him out by telling him where you want to go. If you have expectations for your date nights, ladies, or even for a specific date night, share those expectations with your husband. Hate to break it to you, but we can't read your mind, right? So tell us when you have expectations. I know for me, we don't go watch movies very often, just the two of us, so it's special for me, and I appreciate it when Julie's willing up, willing to give up clothes shopping to go watch a movie from time to time, right? So those are just some simple ways that we can serve one another on date night. Husbands, we need to make every effort to make date night or date day special for our wives and do what makes them feel loved. Wives, every now and then it's okay for you and good for you to think of your husband on date night and do something that you know would be special for him as well. Does that make sense? Date one another.
okay? That's important. Number two, I would say save the best of yourself for each other at the end of the day. I think this started for me when I was told by somebody who discipled me that I was to save the best for my wife when I get home from work. And I know my wife does this for me too. So husbands, don't walk in the door and sit down in your easy chair and expect your wife to serve you the rest of the evening. Don't check out by going down to the basement to watch the game or to play video games. She's just spent her day taking care of little human beings and all they do is sin. All they do is expect her to change them, to feed them, to find something for them to do to keep them happy. She's exhausted, right? Ladies, right? She needs us to be involved in her life. She needs you to care about what just happened in her day. She needs your full and complete attention. She needs your advice and your wisdom. She doesn't need you to fix all of her problems. But she does need to know that you care about her. And she needs you to listen. So husbands, I would challenge you to use your commute home from work, if you work outside the home, to pray and prepare yourself to walk in the door, oftentimes, probably, to kids that are screaming and a wife that is stressed. We have to ask the Lord for help with this because it's our tendency to want to be served, right? To have me time when I get home, to be able to chill, to veg, to hang out. So we need to ask the Lord to help us to be concerned with the heart of our wife, to be intentional and in caring for her heart when we walk through the door and to help her and to serve her in ways that he gives us to do that. And then walk in the door and give her your full attention. Some talk about having couch time where you sit on the couch and your kids are either playing on the floor and not interrupting you. For Julie and I, it's usually me sitting on the stool in the kitchen while she's making dinner. Oftentimes she's making dinner when I get home from work. And there's times that the kids come and greet me at the door, and that's good. You should want that. It's okay for you to greet your kids when you come in the door. Give them a hug and a kiss and then say, shoo, right? Give me time with my wife so that I can talk to her. So we make them leave for a time so we can debrief on the day and talk about the things of the day. So 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it needs to be for that day. The time may vary from day to day. Save your best for each other at the end of the day. Don't be irritated with one another when there's nothing that you have done to irritate one another, right? Hopefully that's helpful. Number three, I would say your bedroom should be a haven for you as a husband and a wife. Your bedroom should be a place that you know and your kids know this is our space as husband and wife. This is where we go when we need time alone together. This is where we go when there's conflict that needs to be resolved. This is where we know we can enjoy sex together without fear of interruption or distraction. You need to make your bedroom the place so that your kids know this is your place. And by that, simply, 
I mean, don't get in the habit of letting your kids sleep with you in your bed or even in your room. That should not be common practice in your home. There may be rare times that that's necessary, but those times should be rare. I remember Julie and I had Ashlyn, she's our firstborn, in our bed with us for a very short time. And it didn't take long to realize this is not going to work. Julie and I needed time together. And having a child in your bed is a distraction and it doesn't serve you well in your relationship. Our bedroom needed to be our space where we could go and be just the two of us, even if it's only to sleep, just the two of us. Your kids need to know that if your bedroom door is shut, it's shut for a reason. They need to knock before entering. This isn't being mean. It's not neglecting your children. This is teaching them that the primary relationship in the home, in your family, is the relationship of husband and wife. And this is good for your kids to learn early on. So those are just a few practical things that Julie and I put into place. I'm sure there's more. Maybe you guys have some in your own home that you could say as well. And then the third relationship that we see in the family is the parent and the child relationship. We addressed this relationship some last week as we looked at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We talked about how parents are to teach their children to know and love God. The parent-child relationship is the secondary relationship in the family. Your relationship with your child should never come between that of your relationship with your husband or wife. There will be unique cases of child abuse and things like that in the home where you must take the side of your child for their safety and their protection. I hope and pray that none of you will ever have to or have ever had to uh, be put in that situation. Last week we saw from Moses that it's the parent's role in the life of the child to teach them the things of God in everyday parts of life. Every moment in the life of the family is a teaching moment, and we are to be faithful to take advantage of every opportunity that we're given. Another passage that states simply and clearly this parent-child relationship in the family is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We see clearly here in these verses the role of the child in the home is to simply obey their parents. This means that the parents are in a position of authority and leadership. It means that there are rules in the home that the children must follow. We see here in these verses that this is what the Lord expects from children and from us as parents. And that he is glorified when this takes place in the home. Paul tells us that the life of the child would be a life of blessing when they obey and honor their parents. It pleases the Lord when children obey mom and dad. And how does a child learn to obey? Paul tells us it's by the parents raising them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
like Moses in Deuteronomy, Paul tells us here that it is the role of the parent in the life of the child to teach them the ways of the Lord from his word. Our efforts in parenting ultimately is that our children would come to a saving faith in Christ. That is our goal. That they would understand the truths of the gospel and that the gospel would transform their hearts by the power of the Spirit. And one of the primary ways that we teach them to love and obey God is by teaching them to obey us. We'll talk about this a lot more over the next couple of weeks as we talk about discipline and see God's plan for us in that. I did give you an evaluation at the end of your notes. Um, I think it's called Child-Centered Home versus Christ-Centered Home. I would encourage you to work through that together. I think this is, is just helpful in, in seeing if, if we are prioritizing the wrong relationships within our family. I'll just read through it quickly with you. That first page, a child-centered home where children learn to interrupt adults talking, use manipulation and rebellion to get their way, <coughs> dictate the family schedule, take precedence over spouse's needs, have equal or overriding vote, demand excessive time or attention, escape the consequences of sinful and irresponsible behavior, speak to parents as though peers, be the dominant influence in the home, be entertained or coddled out of a bad mood. The child perceives that the entire family exists to please him and make him happy versus a Christ-centered home where children learn to know the joy of serving others, cheerfully obey the first time, not interrupt parents, not manipulate others, know that they will not always get their way, work their schedule around their parents' schedule, have input into decisions but not an equal vote, Understand parents have other God-given responsibilities. Suffer the natural consequences for sinful and irresponsible behavior. Honor parents as authorities. Esteem others more important than selves. Fulfill household duties, chores. Protect themselves from bad influences. Not divide parents on disciplinary issues. Not be more intimate with either parent than the parents are with each other. The child perceives that the husband is the head of the family and the wife is submissive to her husband. Theirs is the primary relationship. I'd encourage you this week to just talk through that as husband and wife to evaluate if your home tends more child-centered than Christ-centered. I think it will be helpful. Sometimes it's hard to see those things in our own families, but it's more visible when we see it in other families or even on a piece of paper like this. So I'd encourage you to, to work through that together. Um, I think just a few things that I would give to you that Julie and I, when our kids were toddlers, we prioritized <clears throat> that kind of go along with some of those things is that we expected our children to eat what we ate at mealtimes. It's important for our kids to understand that mealtime is mealtime. It's not a time to play, but it's also important for them to learn to eat what they're served and to be thankful 
for what they're served. Mom has gone to the work of preparing the food. God has provided us with the food, and we need to be thankful. And part of our thanks is eating our food, right? And eating it in a manner that is um, helpful at the table. That's one thing that we did. Um, Another thing was we didn't let them pick out their own clothes to wear. Mom picks out the clothes, dad picks out the clothes, and they wear the clothes. I think, especially as toddlers, it's important for them to just see that mom's the authority, dad's the authority. What they say you're going to wear, you're going to wear. Number three, they must learn they can't interrupt uh, when you are in a conversation with someone else unless it's an emergency. This one can be hard. I know we really struggled with this at times at the church, especially. It's hard to follow through with this because kids are always going to interrupt, right? (laughs) But for us, one thing that we did was we just told them, you can put your hand on my arm. I know that you're there. You know that I know that you're there. And when there's a break in the conversation, I will acknowledge your presence and we can talk about it. And we told them, unless it's an emergency for you or someone else, then it's okay if you tell us what's going on. But it's important for them to understand that they are not the most important thing in their world. Number four, and this is on that list, but they're expected to help take care of household chores. And it's good for that to be age appropriate, right? You probably don't want your two-year-old washing the china in the sink with... (laughs) soapy water, you know, but there's things that they can do. Um, I make Hunter take out the trash. Hunter at times has to mow the yard, although I really enjoy that, so I don't make him do it all the time. But The girls help a lot with cleaning the house, cleaning the bathrooms. Those things are good for our kids. They realize that we're in this together. This is a home that you live in, and you're going to help take care of this home, and it teaches them to be responsible and to have things that they're responsible for, so. And there's a a few things there at the end of homework. So hopefully that just fosters good conversation amongst you guys. I'm gonna give you some time here if you want to stick around and talk through some of those things together. Spend time praying together if you need to. If you have questions for me, that's fine. I'll be happy to do my best to answer your questions if you have any. If you don't agree with anything that I said tonight, that's okay. I'll pray that the Spirit will work on your heart this week. Hadley, what would you say would be like a healthy model for worship as a family? Um, Time and the Word together and when that works best for you guys as a family. So we're going to address that one one night this semester. We'll talk about family worship. I think for me it was helpful when I learned that it can be simple. So I think for so long I felt like I was failing at it because I was having an expectation of, like, this should be a church service for our family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of pressure for a dad who doesn't have time to prepare, right? So for me, it's oftentimes, we don't follow this strictly every time, but it's read, pray, sing. Read the word together, pray together, and sing together. 
And that, that's the model that we use at church, right? We read the word, we teach the word, we pray together, we sing together. So that's something that we can even do in the home that helps our kids see that what we do at church is important. I think time has changed in the different seasons of life that our family is in. When they were all younger and went to bed at the same time, we did it at bedtime because that's when we were all sitting in the living room together and it was just easiest to do it then. Now that they all go their own ways during the day, and oftentimes our older two aren't home yet, even when we go to bed, <laughs> which that's really weird. Um, now we do it in the, in the morning at breakfast time because we're typically, at least most of us, are together at the breakfast table. Right now we're going through just a devotional book by Alistair Begg um, together as a family, and we pray together after that. It's been really I feel like it's been really good. Oftentimes we'll just read the word together, like a psalm or a proverb. We've done that for many years. But I feel like this devotional itself is just really good. I forget what it's called. I'll try to remember to bring it, and I can show it to you guys. But we have some helpful devotional resources in the Information Center for Families. We've done the Wise Up book that we have down there as a family. just walks you through the proverbs. It's really helpful for younger kids. It's very practical help for everyday life for young families. I think it's good to read through those little story Bibles. Like That's good when your kids are toddlers. Read them the Bible in a way that they can comprehend it well, you know. But yeah, read, pray, sing. To me, that's just helpful. Like, I can do those three things. And in like five minutes, right? It doesn't have to be long. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. But if you're doing those three things together as a family every day, It'll serve your family well. And husbands, you need to lead in that. Your wife should not be the one doing that. It should be a rare occasion that your wife prays for your kids before bed. There's times that I asked Julie to pray. Because I remember growing up, like I enjoyed hearing my mom pray. I think it's good for our kids to hear mom pray. But it shouldn't be the regular pattern for you not to lead in that time of family worship. There's times it's necessary, but it shouldn't be normal. Is that helpful? Other questions or thoughts? <clears throat> no? I wanted to recommend a book for husbands. This is a great book. Loving Your Wife as Christ Loves the Church by Larry McCall. I think we have copies in the resource center downstairs. I, I read this book. I try to read it once a year, and it has been so helpful to me as a husband. Just very practical, very helpful. Um, I think it's really helped me to grow as a husband in reading through that. Usually I try to read through it with somebody else once a year, and it's just helpful for me then to have that accountability and have to teach it to someone else. So, did you bring some books, Julie, the there's one called Humble Roots. Is yeah, that what it's, it's called? Really a husband -wife book, it's, it's, a, it's a good woman book, right? <laughs> Humble Roots. Yeah. Julie's really enjoyed that book as a woman over the last couple of years. Wife. What's that one called? The Fruitful Wife by Fruitful Wife. I know we all have time to read more books, right? But I. <laughs> For me, I'm not a reader, so for me, when I find a book that is just helpful, I want to share that with you because 
that means it was easy for me to read, so it should be easy for you to read, and it's very practical, so hopefully that's helpful. But I'll pray for us, and then if you guys want to stick around for a few minutes and talk with your spouse, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for how you have created us, how you have designed the relationships within the family to bring you glory and to serve us in this life. Pray that you would help us to be attentive to the structure in our own home and in our own family, that you would help us to see if our children are taking priority in our homes that they shouldn't be taking, that we would be prioritizing our time with you and the word every day, and that we would be prioritizing our time as husband and wife and caring for one another and helping our kids to see that 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 relationship of husband and wife in the home is the primary relationship that you have designed and that then we can serve our kids well in that. We know that we need your help and your grace to make changes where they're necessary. So I pray that this week you would just help us to be attentive. Pray that we would be humble and teachable and that we would be willing to to put off the sin and put on righteousness that we might pursue Christ and that your glory would be our desire. I'm thankful for each one that's here and for their desire and the effort that they're putting forth to, to parent well in their home, to be found faithful. And uh, I pray that you would encourage them in that. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.